Hello and welcome to the weekend wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am Ben Davison and it is my great pleasure to be here with you on this lovely summer afternoon in Australia. I hope you're doing well. I hope your family is COVID free. And for those of you who currently do have a family member or yourself have COVID, I hope you are getting better, staying as well as you can and on the mend. Some good news to start today's uh, episode is that the Triple J Hottest 100 number one song of 2021 was the Wiggles cover of Tame Impala's song, Elephant. This is a song that I quite enjoy, actually. I've listened to this many times. I didn't vote in the Hottest 100, uh, mainly because I sort of think of youth radio as something that really isn't me anymore. But nonetheless, a song that I quite enjoy is the number one Hottest 100 song, again, possibly for the first time in some time, and it is The Wiggles. Frankly, 2021 was such a long year it actually took me a moment to remember that that song came out in 2021, but so glad that it did, so glad that it's number one and something that can bring the whole country together, no matter what your age. So thank you very much, Triple J Hottest 100 listeners and voters. Thank you, The Wiggles. Thank you, Tame Impala. Moving on to other stories that have happened over the course of the few days since we did the week on Wednesday. It's, of course, been another huge week in Australian politics, and probably two major things we need to talk about. One is National Cabinet and some of the things that have happened since then, and also, of course, what's going on with schools in Victoria and New South Wales, as well as what's going on with the WA border. Lots to talk about, so let's get into it. National Cabinet met late in the week. Scott Morrison made a classic political mistake, but more than a political mistake, a failure to understand Australian society. When he, prior to the meeting, floated the idea that he would be asking state governments to lower the age requirement on getting a forklift license, effectively asking children to drive forklifts. Obviously, this inspired a huge backlash from the Australian public. If somebody cannot get a license to drive a car, driving a multi-ton forklift with two massive solid steel prongs on the front around an indoor space with other people among pallets and shelves and other forklifts is clearly out of the question. And thankfully, the state governments pushed back relatively hard on this issue and Morrison was forced to abandon it. Lots of social media commentary about this. Interestingly, the Herald Sun seemed to think that it was a good idea to let children drive forklifts, which is unsurprising. We are now ramping up wildly towards a federal election, and we can expect to see the Murdoch media come out hard in favour of just about every crazy idea that Morrison comes up with, and this was no exception. Now, this idea was floated in response to some of the issues we're having with COVID in Australia. Obviously, we're all aware of some empty supermarket shelves. We've all experienced the fact that there are shortages of skilled, trained workers in many industries and fields at the moment because of COVID exposure. Remember, 
This could have all been avoided, and it could still be better managed with free, accessible, rapid antigen tests. Free rats. That's what we need, available to everyone. Morrison won't do that, hence we have this problem. Now, Australian unions are having a webinar, uh, a lunchtime webinar and an evening webinar on Thursday to talk about what your health and safety rights are. You can go to australianunions.org.au to register for the webinar with Sally McManus, head of the Australian Trade Union Movement, and Liam O'Brien, who is the Assistant Secretary and who oversees the work in occupational health and safety. Really encourage you to check this out. It's obviously an important area as we are going back into workplaces. Omicron is still rampant throughout the community. People need to know what your rights are in the workplace because you don't have to go into an unsafe environment in the workplace. The law protects you and your safety at work. Of course, to make sure that that protection is enforced, you need to join your union. AustralianUnions.org.au slash wow is where you can join your union. We know the government and we know that major corporations in this country are going to keep coming up with harebrained ideas like putting children behind the wheels of forklifts. It's only through being a member of the union and only through strong union campaigning and protection in the workplace that we're going to be safe. That's just the sad reality now. We've moved beyond the point where Morrison cares about keeping us safe from COVID. He wants the economy up and running. He's letting it rip and it's ripping through people. We have to do what we need to do to stay safe at work, at home, in the community. So do check out that webinar. There's a lunchtime version and there's an evening version. Check it out, whichever one suits you and your timetable. One of the other big things that happened, I should say, the rest of National Cabinet was sort of nothing. There wasn't a lot that came out of it. There was some talk of weakening further uh, workplace health and safety laws. That didn't seem to really go very, get anywhere either. After that, of course, WA announced that the hard border would continue beyond February 5th. WA was due to allow people who were fully vaccinated to come in without quarantine from February 5th. Mark McGowan gave an evening press conference, 7.30 Perth time, 10.30 East Coast time, to say that would not be happening. He also mentioned that you only have 64% protection uh, if you're triple vaxxed and 4% if you're double vaxxed. I can't find where he got that number, those numbers from. The Guardian didn't have it uh, when they reported uh, him saying it, but that's what he said, uh, and he's citing that as part of the reason why he doesn't want uh, WA to reopen yet. Of course, they've had 50 cases today, but they're all linked. And when you compare that to the tens of thousands of cases we're having every day on the East Coast, we have five, six, seven thousand 7,000 people on the East Coast in hospital with COVID. 8.4% of our hospital beds in Australia are currently taken up by people with COVID. Of course, none of those are in WA. It's all in the East Coast, South Australia, Northern Territory, Tasmania, Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria. It's also the case that in Victoria and New South Wales in particular, but also other parts of Australia, South Australia, I'm looking at you, there is effectively a shadow lockdown where businesses are struggling 
to have enough well staff to function and have enough well customers to generate demand. There's lots of stories out there. You can read them on the ABC, read them on The Guardian. You can see story after story of small business owners talking about having to close because they don't have the staff, having to close because nobody's coming out. This shadow lockdown effect isn't happening in WA. And you can see some of the commentary in WA talking about wanting to avoid the shadow lockdown. And I don't blame them. I can see why. Now, of course, it's difficult for a lot of people. It's difficult for a lot of families who've been separated. I get that. Dan and I were separated for five, five and a half months due to COVID and the restrictions in New South Wales. Nobody wants to keep people separated from their loved ones for any longer than absolutely necessary. And I encourage people to look into what the exemptions are and whether you can do quarantine if you need to get to Perth. But at the same time, protecting lives and livelihoods. Remember that slogan? Protecting lives and livelihoods. That was how we entered the pandemic all those years ago. I still hold it to be true. That's our primary responsibility as a community to protect lives and livelihoods. And in WA, that's exactly what they're doing. They have no one in hospital with COVID. They don't have a shadow lockdown. And of course, they don't have the case numbers that we have here in the East Coast. So I understand people's frustration. I really genuinely do. But I can also understand why WA would make this choice for their own people to keep lives and livelihoods going. Back here on the East Coast, obviously school's due to go back. Now, we're all expecting there to be another spike when schools go back. Close confines, we all know children get sick, they pass on illness, they interact with each other. There's lots of reasons for us to be worried. However, there are also some reasons for us to think that we might be okay. Victoria and New South Wales have worked on and are executing a joint plan when it comes to going back to school. We're going to see masks in schools from grade three and up. Everyone is going to have a mask in a school from grade three and up. We're going to see rapid antigen testing twice a week for every student and every teacher. This is going to have to be done by parents and guardians of the children. They will be the ones administering this. That can lead to some concerns about hit and miss in some circumstances. And I'd urge everyone who is a parent of a student going back to school to really take that seriously. If you want to protect your children, protect yourself, protect your community, rapid antigen testing twice a week, the tests are going to be provided by the state governments in both Victoria and New South Wales. Please use the tests for that reason. Really think it's important. Really think there's a good opportunity there to minimise the amount of COVID that comes through schools. They're talking about having mandatory uh, vaccinations. So for, for uh, teachers, you'll have to have had your third shot within three months and two weeks in order to teach. In the event that there are staff shortages, they're going to bring classes together, have them in gymnasiums, possibly outdoors. They're talking about using retired teachers, final year student teachers to fill gaps. And as a last resort, if certain classes in certain schools need to go online, they will, but ultimately they want everyone face-to-face. 
I think this is going to be really difficult. I've talked about this before on the show. Van and I have talked about this on the week on Wednesday. The experience from overseas has been that COVID will spread rapidly through schools. Uh, that's what they saw when kids started to go back in the UK and North America after the New Year break. They have a much shorter holiday period after New Year's than we do. And they started to see schools having to shut and going back to remote learning. Victoria and New South Wales are determined not to go back to remote learning. And of course, you know, we hope that that all works out. We hope that the air filtration systems come into place. We hope that the masks that they're handing out, millions and millions of masks, we hope that that works. And obviously, they're encouraging parents to get their children vaccinated uh, from the age of five and up. At the moment, those rates are not uh, overwhelmingly high, but of course, are increasing every day. And of course, in Victoria, we had a massive blitz this weekend to try and get people vaccinated and boosted. And hopefully that shows. 31st of January, that's when schools are due back in New South Wales and Victoria. And we'll start to see pretty rapidly thereafter, within a few days probably, whether this plan works or whether they've got to go back to the drawing board. Of course, Queensland, we know, has already moved the start of school back to February 7th, and that's to try and get more people vaccinated and get more of that infrastructure in place so they can implement a plan to keep schools open as well. Again, determined to have face-to-face learning. Really hope it works. We really hope it works. It's a tough, tough call. We saw just today New Zealand is bringing in place uh, limits on gatherings. We're bringing in mask rules. Jacinda Ardern has cancelled her wedding, uh, which is obviously very sad for the Ardern family and their friends. But in order to curb Omicron, this is what they're talking about needing to do in New Zealand. Hopefully in Australia, we manage the return to school effectively and safely, lives and livelihoods. We have to protect lives in order to protect livelihoods. And I'm going to say it because I'm going to say it in every episode now. Let It Rip has clearly demonstrated that if you do not protect lives, you end up with a shadow lockdown. That's what happens. If you cannot keep people safe, people will do what they believe they need to do to stay safe. And that is usually isolating from other people. That's what we're seeing every day in Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland, right across the country, except, funnily enough, in WA, where they have very, very low rates of COVID infection. I also want to point out that as we start to go back to school, we start to talk about potentially people going back into the office much more, rapid antigen tests are going to be so important. We already know that they are so important. And there is a shortage. There's a shortage of availability. There's also a cost. I've seen stories over the last week where people with a disability are paying $300 a week to test the workers who come to provide them with support. For people on a disability support pension, this is a huge amount of money. Now, Morrison promised that Essentially, concession card holders would get access to limited numbers of free rapid antigen tests. We've also seen that the government won't be providing these 
to pharmacies to give out, but effectively telling pharmacies to find them themselves and then they'll work through a system where effectively the pharmacy is reimbursed or some other mechanism. This is total chaos. We've seen many reports of places that had secured or believed they had secured supply being told, no, that supply was going to the government. We've seen the government deny that they're requisitioning supplies from other people. We've seen the importers talk about, well, it's not that the government's requisitioned it, it's that the government contract takes priority over a non-government contract. We've seen rural and regional pharmacies talk about simply being unable to secure any rapid antigen tests, let alone any to give away under the government's proposed subsidy program. This is chaos. This is Morrison's can-do capitalism falling apart. There are some people who are undoubtedly making significant profit out of this chaos and confusion. There are even more people, people with a disability, aged care, people who just feel a bit sick, people who want to go to work, want to keep their employer going, people who want to make sure they're not exposing immunocompromised family members to COVID, who are forking out and paying for that profit. Rapid antigen tests, rats, should be free, should be accessible. We have the systems to do this. We have Medicare. We have the pharmaceutical benefits scheme. We now have mass vaccination hubs. We have the facilities and the capacity to do this. Victoria and New South Wales are handing out millions of rapid antigen tests through schools. The, the infrastructure is there. The facilities are there. The Commonwealth, the Morrison government, simply refuses to provide what is needed, and that is rapid antigen tests for every person who needs one, for every business who needs to test people, and so that we can be safe. So that we can be safe. It's a really simple and straightforward equation. The week ahead, obviously, there's a public holiday on Wednesday. Dan and I will talk about Australia Day slash Invasion Day on Wednesday in our episode. And we'll also talk about what else is going on throughout Ozpol and, of course, the broader community. I want to give a shout out to everybody who supported the week on Wednesday over the last couple of weeks with our Buy Me a Coffee page, buymeacoffee.com slash week on Wednesday. We now have over 100 monthly contributors helping to support us running the podcast. Overwhelming overwhelming, just so humbled by your support. We thank you all, each and every one. And congratulations on contributing to helping other people hear what we have to say on this podcast. Don't worry if you can't afford to contribute. The podcast will always be free, always available to download. If you enjoy the podcast, please do share it, like it, comment, Talk to other people about it. Don't forget to join your union, australianunions.org.au slash wow. Never been a more important time to join. And hundreds of thousands of Australians around the country have been joining and rejoining their union over the last few weeks. If you want to be safe in your workplace, the best thing you can do is join your union. 
The second best thing you can do is check out that Australian Union's webinar on Thursday at lunchtime or in the evening. Go to australianunions.org.au for all the details. Details are subject to change on all these things, so do check out those sites regularly. And of course, you can always check out Van's Guardian articles. You can check out QAnon and On, A Short and Shocking History of Internet Conspiracy Cults, the book that Van has written about social media and its influence in politics. And I would always, always ask that you please do engage with us, like, share, comment, talk about the episode. And remember, in these most difficult of times, to be kind to yourself and to each other.